Hello everyone and welcome to our panel podcast entitled Sidestepping Another Tantrum, where we will be discussing central bank messaging for 2021. Today is the 11th of January and I am joined by Remy Lambert, Seamus Lyons and Nar McDonnell. It would be hard to doubt the determination of the major central banks in providing monetary support when COVID-19 locked down the world back in March. Rhetoric was stepped up to the highest levels of clarity, with the US Fed Chairman Jay Powell stating, there is no limit to what we can do. Financial markets responded enthusiastically and many asset classes hit new highs last year. Now we're entering a period of reflation or boosting economic growth, fueled by huge fiscal spending packages. Monetary policy has been called the wrong tool for recovery. So what is the role of the central banks from here? And how do they sidestep a minefield of miscommunication, which could risk triggering another volatility spike? Remy, could you set the scene for us, please, in terms of how central bank action fueled rising prices in 2020? So again, in 2020, central banks brought massive support to the markets all around the world by cutting interest rates where they could, and by initiating asset purchases program. This brought liquidity support to the bond markets, to the investment grade, to the high yield markets, thus avoiding a credit crunch and therefore leading to yield compression all around the bond market. Thank you for that. And of course, lower bond yields can feed into higher equity valuations. Seamus, the US equity markets raced ahead and they were led through much of the year by the FANG stocks. As prospects grew for the Biden election victory, though, value and cyclicals seem to take up the baton. Does this, what's been called a reflation trade, have further legs from here? Uh, hi, Lorna. In short, yes. And I think so for two primary reasons. Uh, the second we may touch on in a little more detail in a few minutes, and that is rising headwinds for large cap growth, which has uh, been the market leader in recent years. But the other main issue I feel the reflation trade has further to run is just recent changes in the US political landscape. And if we combine this with the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines and an expected economic recovery in the second half of this year and into next year, then we have all the right ingredients for the more cyclical parts of the markets or, or value stocks more broadly to finally begin to enjoy a more sustained period of outperformance. So following the two Senate elections in Georgia last week, the Democrats now have control of all the US houses. This bodes very well for further fiscal stimulus with the Biden administration having more chance of pushing through their agenda which should involve more uh, or larger spending packages to stimulate the, the economic recovery. And you saw this last week with a very strong performance from traditional value stocks and, and small caps. And so let's see if this continues, but there's definitely more of a tailwind for reflation stocks than there has been for a while. Yes, indeed. And this control of three houses by the Democrats is, is what's been called a, a blue wave, just to clarify there. Niall, a reflationary environment, though, is not necessarily good news for the bond markets. And we've seen the yield on the US 10-year recently retrace back to the levels of March as bond prices have fallen. Is this all about reflation? And if so, is this blue wave powerful enough to trigger its own tantrum? And I'm thinking here of the rapid spike up in bond yields we saw in 2013. I think that the recent rise, what we've seen in the US tenure is more about the market digesting the impact that the blue wave and the Democrats controlling the three legislative bodies in the US will have. Typically, Republicans are fiscal hawks. They don't want to spend too much. Democrats are fiscal doves and they want to spend more. Now they have control there. There'll be greater latitude for them to implement their fiscal expansionary programs. And that really leads to uh, larger amounts of bond supply. 
um, and ultimately potentially lead to higher levels of inflation, which has been muted for the last uh, decade if we look back. These higher levels of bond issuance should put um, upward momentum in terms of the yields um, in the US. And it has actually fed through to other government bond markets uh, across the globe as well. Is this enough to, to trigger um, a, a, a taper tantrum? Seeing what we've seen in 2013 post Yellen's comments at the Jackson Hole Symposium. I don't know, to be honest. And if, if I knew that, um, I, I think I, I'd, I'd be quite a rich man. Well, what I, what I will say is that um, central banks are mindful of higher levels of rates. They all have quantitative easing programs where they're buying corporate bonds to keep the to keep the recovery on track. So I don't think the case is there for a rapid increase and in spike in, in government bond yields, similar to what we see in 2013. That's very useful. And of course, we'd all like to have a go with that crystal ball. If we go back to you then, Seamus, we have become used to some fairly eye-watering valuations, particularly in the tech sector in the US. What impact could rising bond yields, if we do see them, what impact could they have here? Sure. So it, it is fair to say that the market, or at least certain parts of the market, are not cheap. So you mentioned technology, but growth stocks more broadly, particularly the large mega caps, which is often encapsulated by the fangs, They've done extraordinarily well in recent times and they trade at very high PEs. And when people talk of issues facing these large uh, tech heavyweights, they focus quite a, a bit on the, the aspect of increased regulation, particularly under a democratic uh, party, which now is controlling all three political institutions. And this is a very valid point, And it's one of the reasons we've actually seen these stocks underperform since the US elections. But another element of this democratic clean sweep, or as you mentioned, blue wave. Uh, this is the reflationary story, and um, this is the outcome which could be expected given higher bond yields and a steeper yield curve, which is based on the increased expectations of higher inflation in the future. Uh, these growth companies, they are seen as long duration assets, and they've benefited tremendously from the low yield environment we've experienced in recent years. And I think this could be a bit more of a headwind that large cap tech faces this year that it hasn't faced before. Yes, thank you. That's quite a technical point, but one that could have quite a significant impact on these highly valued stocks. Finally, Remy, the Fed has said that rates are on hold until 2023. But if reflation really kicks in, how does the Fed and indeed other central banks withdraw what's been called this punch bowl of liquidity without upsetting the market's party? Uh, so, so that, again, is, is a tough question. Now, first of all, remember that the Fed and the central banks, especially the Feds, have two objectives. The first one is to control prices, say, in fact, uh, inflation, reflation, deflation. The second one is also to focus on economic growth. Uh, so, so far, we've seen that actually in the Fed do have very low interest rates and that they have a, a commitment to the quantitative easing program. And as they said, they'll, they'll have this quantitative easing program as long as the economy needs it. Now, again, you're saying if there's a shift in monetary policy, we will have to see two things, either a major growth shock or strong inflation. But remember that actually the Fed has changed its view towards inflation rather than having an objective of 2%, it's 2% over an economic cycle. So they actually would accept to have an overshooting of that inflation. And as I said, you know, there's an element that is really important is there's two things. When you're looking at the interest rate and the bond markets, first of all, you have to see at which pace this bond market is changing and the percentage of change. 1% of change today is not the same in terms of impact that you would have had 10 years ago where the bond market was at 5 or 6%. So again, we have to be very cautious on that. 
And I think that actually the Fed will still focus on its quantitative easing program and having low interest rates for the time being. We'll see how that moves on in 2023 and even in 2024. Yes, so the chances for this year then of another taper tantrum or bond market upset like 2013? For the time being, we're seeing that the the bond market is stabilizing and is moving and interest rates are moving slightly upwards because there's been some momentum in the bond market. But if ever there's another stress in the market, again, the interest rates will drop because, first of all, investors will be buying that market. And the second thing is the support that the Fed is bringing to the economy. And they don't want to see their interest rates moving too fast and too high because that will have a negative impact on economic growth and then we'll be back in a situation what we saw in 2013 where markets will be disappointed because their anticipation will be that economic growth will be under pressure. So a message of steady as you goes from the central banks from this year. Should be another interesting year. Thank you all very much indeed. Thank you Lorna. Thank you Lorna. Thank you.